It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, Say my name, D. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Game Day T. I am your host, D. Gill, host of the Game Day T podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, you can listen to more of my episodes like this one. This is another edition of a Pride episode, the Pride episodes that I'm doing this month. Uh, Of course, last week you heard about the best friend episode, as you will, about the Pulse nightclub, and we were, were reminiscing about our times at Pulse nightclub down in Orlando, and now this week, I have a Father's Day episode with you, uh, coming through your ears with my friend, I can call him friend now, no longer just a, uh, kind of an employee and a, a co-worker at Outsports, my friend Ken Schultz, host of the Three Structure Out podcast with Outsports, Ken, welcome to the Game Day T. Pleasure to be here, D. Gill. I'm. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how our conversation goes without asking what's wrong with the Braves. So, yes, yeah. that is true. That is so true. Even though I, they are just grinding my gears right now. They are so average, but yet will be are so good. I still have hope. I think we go on another run later yeah. on in the season. We'll see. Though there's there's so much goodness right there, and the division is right there for the taking. But they don't seem to want it yet. They whatever. don't. And I think it's going to be true Atlanta Braves fashion, where they're going to get hot later on down the year. Come October, they'll make a wild card, whatever, get our hopes up. And then you know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the last sports disappointment? No, come on now. Come on, right? Maybe one of these years we'll get surprised. Color yeah. me shocked. <laughs> yeah. You said before we started taping that you were worried you were going to cry, and I didn't want it to be over the Braves, so yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so speaking of not wanting to cry, I get very emotional when I talk about my family because uh, practically I don't see them that much. I am out here in the Bay Area in California, Ken. Uh, the, those of you all who listen to my podcast know that as well, but I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, literally the opposite end of the country. And I only get to see my parents, my sister, about 10 times a year, 10 days a year. And so out of 365 days, that's not a lot. So when I get a chance to talk to them, FaceTime them, I get a little emotional, miss them. But today is specifically for the dads, our dads, and it is Father's. It was this Father's Day this past Sunday. And I just wanted to bring Ken on because, you know, we have a good friendship and we talk about, you know, our personal life. And I decided let's just share a little bit of what we talk about and stuff like uh, we, that we find interesting and I think you will find interesting too and that's our dads personally Ken growing up I was all flat sports but my dad stuck through uh, he took me to all my practices tried to make me um, a better athlete as you will like any dad would want to right uh, you would think so uh, backyard playing balls getting frustrated all all that stuff right what I remember really well is that he just never got so upset where it just turned me off to think that he didn't love me you know and that's so so important nowadays that it's a mix between being stern and being supportive and being loving and i think my dad really embodied all that growing up uh taking me to all my games practices saying it's okay even though i was probably the worst kid on the field (laughs) but like what what do you remember about your dad growing up and uh playing sports and talking about sports 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, big same in terms of my dad getting me into sports uh, and then quickly realizing I had the least amount of skills of anyone on the field or court or whatever surface we happen to be playing on. Same. Uh, yeah, my, my dad um, loves the four majors, like baseball, football, basketball, hockey. He's into all of them. And very quickly, uh, from as far back as I can remember, got me into the Chicago teams, especially uh, in all the four major sports and got me into playing them as well. All the Chicago teams, he got me into the Cubs, the the Bears, the Bulls, the Blackhawks. And I mean, he'd also take me to White Sox games. Like my, right. my mom's side of the family are Sox fans. They're from Northwest Indiana. So we'd go with my grandpa once or twice a year to Comiskey Park. And yeah, that was great too. Um, and then he spent, after, after he got me into playing sports at the Little League level and baseball and basketball especially, uh, he spent the vast majority of my childhood desperately trying to convince me that the results should not be taken as seriously as I was taking them. Mm -hmm. because I had the rare combination of loving sports, wanted to be good at sports, being terrible at sports, and being the worst loser you could possibly encounter as a kid, because I <laughs> hated losing. And I would storm home from like the neighbor kid's house if I was losing in one-on-one -on -one basketball, or if we were losing in baseball played out in the streets or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like I would just be irate, tears streaming down my face, and the phrase that my, I remember from my dad telling me the most as a kid is, you don't have to take this so seriously. Mm. Wow. That's, that, that's... Like there were, there were times in Little League uh, where I would get upset with an umpire's call that went against our team because, you know, umpires at the Little League level are mm -hmm. not Major League level. And I already complain about those guys enough. <laughs> and my parents tell me stories of like watching me in the field afterwards. And I'm just like dissolving into a fit of rage. And they're just sitting there going, oh, oh God, oh, he's crying. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, oh no, no. He slammed his glove on the ground. Oh, yeah. oh God, oh mm -hmm. God. So yeah, yeah they had to endure a lot watching yeah. me play sports. And they did, thankfully, you know, yeah. I still love them to this day. That's amazing. Same with me, Ken. Like I remember gosh like it was yesterday you know how we have five or six memories from our childhood that we just really distinctly remember well me running from first base to second base hat falls off i run back to get it and mm. the, the dude boy tags me out i threw a fit oh, i can only imagine how embarrassing that was for my family for my mom and dad at that time. I can only imagine, because when I say I threw a fit, I threw a fit. I was like, no, I'm not going out. I'm not I'm not leaving the game. It was just like, I just, I can only just imagine my parents' hands and face, just like, oh gosh, yep, yeah. that's our kid. I'm coming on the, I'm coming <laughs> on the field. I'm coming, all right, let's go. <laughs> and don't get me started on basketball. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's such a little league play too, as a kid, that your hat flies off and the first thing you think of is, I got to get the hat. It's my hat. Yes. And it, yeah, it, it's delightful to watch. Yeah, but I mean, as, as, as a kid, I could mm -hmm. never quite get over the idea that the point of Little League is not to win. The point of Little League is to get hostess snowballs at the end of it and juice boxes. Yes. But I wanted to win. Like, I, I just everything. I was and just I about was to so say bad. that. The the snacks, the, the everything after, you know, the juice boxes of people. It was your 
parents turn to bring the snacks for the kids oh gosh those memories everybody listen if you play little league sports you know everybody had to take a turn each family had to bring the snacks gosh the capri suns oh my mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> icy ecto cooler that's 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 my childhood right there yeah you grew up in the 80s at some point you drank something called ecto cooler okay so so yours is ecto cooler mine's just capri suns what are they drinking yeah. nowadays parents what is it i don't know let us know <laughs> tweet at us <laughs> Something healthy, I'm, I'm sure. I'd like it. At, at this point, I think we figured out that high C is, you know, nothing but high fructose corn syrup. Probably not good for growing kids. I'm gonna no, say probably not. I wonder if anybody is like it was their family's turn to bring the snacks for, after the game, and she pulled out celery and carrots. It's <laughs> just looking like, oh, what is this? <laughs> and the kid goes, yeah, yeah, my well, I've got that parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there is, can relate to it. I know they can. But uh, so back on the subject with our dads, what is your favorite professional sports memory with your dad? Whether it be at a game or at home, watching a game, what is that for you? Yeah, I've got a, a lot spring to mind, but I guess the one that is closest to the top of my head um, is when I was in sixth grade and uh, the 1989 Cubs were like the surprise playoff team of my childhood. Like that was a team that, well, I think went something like nine and 30 in spring training and everybody expected like last place. This is going to be awful. And they kind of came out of nowhere and won the division and were like an exciting mix of like Hall of Famers like Ryan Sandberg and Greg Maddox and Andre Dawson and like a bunch of young players that came out of nowhere and had career years in the same year. And this was I was 11 years old at the time. So this is also the time where baseball is magic. Mm-hmm. So like this is my team as a kid. Mm-hmm. Love the 89 boys of Zimmer Cubs. And so they were in the uh, playoffs, the National League Championship Series against the San Francisco Giants and got crushed in the first game. Like, uh, like talking about, you know, being disconsolate. I remember like yelling at my dad as I went to sleep that night because they lost like 11 to three. Will Clark hit a grand slam in the second inning or something. And I was just like irate and angry at the world because this was the team, the team that's supposed to win because yep. they came out of nowhere, the Miracle Cubs team. So I uh, it was a, I think it was a Thursday where uh, they were playing game two. And I came home from school that afternoon and I saw a message uh, for my dad that my mom had taken from my Aunt Dawn saying that one of her co-workers had two tickets to the game, game two that night, and would we be interested in going? And so I saw it and I had to wait for my dad to get home from work. But I saw that and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, we could <laughs> go to a Cubs playoff game in person. What? And my mom had to remind me, okay, dad is coming home from work. So we have to make sure he's okay with this. And it's a school night. It's Thursday. And right. your bedroom is usually 10 o'clock. And mm-hmm. uh, so like, I remember like, just, I can't wait for the 20 minutes until dad gets home and sees the message. And he does. And it's like, of course, we're going to the game. So uh, like we immediately get in the car, go to my aunt's house in one oh. of the burbs, grab the tickets. And I have so many memories of this night because we, uh, it was the first night game I ever intended in person at Wrigley Field. They'd only added lights the night before. Uh-huh. And I remember approaching it from the north and like seeing the lights on for the first time in like this kind of hazy, rainy mist because it was like an overcast day. And hearing the national anthem being sung as we approached the ballpark and just thinking, oh my God, this is cool. Yeah. And we get in our seats uh, just as the first inning starts. I think the, uh, the Cubs pitcher walked the leadoff hitter for the Giants. And as soon as we sit down, he picks him off first base and the entire ballpark goes up for grabs. <laughs> and so we're in it like right away. 
And so they pitched a scoreless first. And then the bottom of the first, um, leadoff hitter gets on. Sandberg hits a triple, drives him in. And eventually the Cubs score six runs in the first inning. So, yeah, it's like it's a route. So it's like nine innings of perfection where we're just sitting here basking in it. And this is the first playoff game I've ever been to in my life. First night game, watching the Cubs destroy him. And it's it's with my dad. And yeah, it is just like nine innings of celebration. And then afterwards, uh, my dad asked, so do you want to stop off at Superdog, which is this school Chicago hot dog place with giant uh, ceramic hot dogs on the roof and like Tarzan poses. And uh-huh. so, yeah, we ended up staying up until like, 12 30 or one o'clock in the morning and i had to go to school the next day and i am a straight laced kid like this is not something that is done at all but man it, you talk about just a perfect night at the ballpark with my dad uh and sharing at to that point my highlight in my life as a cub fan watching this game mm-hmm. with him in person like that was like everything that is special about sharing a, a baseball game with your dad yeah and the win on top of that too yeah you know, yeah. And then they went and got waxed for the next three games in San Francisco. So, you know, it, it perfect comes on me, but. <laughs> that's amazing. That is, that is such an awesome feeling. I remember going to British games so many times with my dad at the old Fulton, uh, no, at the old Turner Field Stadium. I'm not that old for Fulton County. Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am that old. So I remember Fulton County. Yeah. So, but yeah, we will always, always, always get a bucket, big old bucket of fried Kentucky fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And that day, you know, you could bring anything inside the baseball stand. So we would get the Kentucky nice. chicken. We would get the baked beans, the macaroni and cheese, the coleslaw, and the biscuits. Mm-mm-mm. And we would sit there always in the 300-level seats, and we would just watch the baseball game. I don't really know, Ken, if I knew too much of what was going on. I just love the free tomahawks that they would give out and just doing the tomahawk chant, not even knowing what it was representing at the time. Uh (laughs) Sharing a delightful racist moment with your old man. That's that's baseball right there. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It just throw me right into it. Oh, (laughs) so um, just, just going around the ballpark and spending time with my grandmother and great grandmother, may she rest in peace. One of my favorite memories as a, an adult was going to the Florida State and Georgia Tech ACC championship game in Charlotte. I can't remember the year on top of my head, but we had just had an awesome time. Uh, we went downtown Charlotte, got some good food, got some good beer. And it was just really nice to check out a game with my dad. I've always kind of felt like, you know, I'm gay. But I always kind of felt like my dad was cool with me because I loved sports so much. Hmm. Does that kind of, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that's 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 very that's that's a very interesting connection to make there. That uh, and I uh, got the sense when I was finally ready to come out uh, at the ripe old age of thirty five, I, mm-hmm. I had like an almost certainty that my dad would be cool with it. I, I never um associated with sports necessarily it's it's it was just kind of uh a sense in having conversations with him and years prior about uh the need for gay civil rights and for marriage equality and things like that and that he was always on the right side of issues like that it felt like so um so when i got ready to finally i guess spring uh i guess the surprise (laughs) for lack of a better word about who i really was uh it, it, it was still the scariest conversation that I've ever had with him. 
even though I, as I say, knew going in, I'm almost positive this is going to end up well. Yeah. There, there, there was always kind of that, that lingering, maybe that 0.001% chance in my mind of what if this suddenly turns into like a Lifetime original movie and I get cast out or something like that. Does yeah. Lifetime do gay kids getting cast out or is that logo? Is that uh, um, probably logo? Lifetime, yeah, there I, are I so stuff. In, in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it began with L, but my mind went Lifetime for some reason. <laughs> so you coming out to him went well? Yes. It, uh, it, the, I came out to him, uh, this is 100% true, in the car ride home from Christmas Eve Mass in hmm. 2014. Okay. Uh, and that's really only because um, I kind of firmed up that I wanted to do this uh, probably around winter or spring of that year. Mm -hmm. And I was living in New York City at the time doing stand-up comedy there. And uh, I would come home once every couple months to do road work back in the Midwest and would crash with my parents then. Mm -hmm. And I know there were at least two, if not three, maybe even four of those trips from the time where I started telling friends where it was like, okay, now start telling mom and dad, if you really want to start dating guys and being able to bring them home uh, at some point, if you meet somebody special, they need to know this. Yeah. Uh, and I just couldn't do it over mm -hmm. like that span. Um, and like, I remember being driven to the airport at least a couple of times by my dad that summer at the end of one of these road trips and just thinking, ah, I just can't say it for whatever reason I, yeah, I can't yeah. bring myself even though again I'm pretty damn sure this is going to go great uh and so it ended up um that winter uh where I had the entire family in uh because we had the whole family Christmas gathering where it was like mm -hmm. you know if I'm going to do it this is the best time yeah and I think I even delayed it a couple days after that and ended up being like um you know, I'm, I'm an extremely lapsed Catholic. I've been done with Catholicism for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so it eventually kind of got to be like, so yeah, I, I go to Christmas Eve mass as like a favor to mom and dad. Like this is our one family mass a year. And I kind of got it in my mind as we were going on that, you know, if I can just make it through this mass, my, I will treat myself mm -hmm. by telling mom and dad that I like dudes, yeah. uh, which is uh, a, a pitch I'd like to make for like a logo <laughs> original movie. Cause I think yeah. that would be, yeah. That would make 1 million's moms, 100 uh, million's head explode, I think. Yeah, it would, it would. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with the game day tea. Welcome back to the game day tea. I am your host D Gill and I'm talking to Ken Schultz about our fathers on this special Father's Day episode of the game day tea. Do you think your dad kind of knew a little inkling or do you think it kind of caught him off guard? You know, I've never asked him. Um, and I mean, the only real hint that he might've gotten would be that, you know, I never really had anything resembling a girlfriend <laughs> uh, in the time where I was closeted. So I'm sure that would have probably caused doubts. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, thinking back to a couple of times when I was a kid and uh, like there were moments where I would do like, take a just like strike a random pose to use a Madonnaism mm -hmm. where I would have like my hands on my hips and mm -hmm. elbows pointed out yeah. and he would tell me it's not a masculine pose but I don't mm -hmm. know if he ever really thought like there was anything underlying that or not right, right, uh, right. Not like he was one of those dads where it's like you gotta be 100% dude at all times <laughs> like, uh, like I, he 
I guess that was just kind of his being raised in the 50s coming out at that point, telling yeah. me that that's not something men usually do. Uh-huh. You know, when I came out yeah. to my parents, well, kind of, I came out, I got ousted by a letter they found. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah my mom said she couple. knew. She was just waiting for me to come tell mm. her. And what I remember about mm. coming out from my dad's point of view was I remember going in their room, dad, if you're listening, I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I remember going in your room, dad. And cause I know you're going to listen to this, <laughs> finding a book. And I believe the title was how to cope with your LGBT uh, child, like them, like mm. something along those lines of like them coming out and how to cope with it. And I, I thought that was the most, respectful like such caring thing that a parent could do i just growing up i would have never thought my dad would get to read a book like that because he was just so macho masculine and everything but like that showed me he cared and it was i will never i remember i remember what the front of the book looks like i have to look up to see what the author is uh because i want to contact them they're still alive still around just say thank you for whatever you helped my dad out with because he was the excellent most excellent father growing up after i came out it was never an issue uh at all about my sexuality growing up at all so if that book helped you out dad i would love to talk with you you know about it and let me know what that book was about and how that specifically helped you raise your gay son yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind of beautiful. It's a really beautiful detail, I think. Uh, and I think what that emphasizes is that it's like you discovering that you mean much more to your dad than any outdated concept of masculinity that he might have carried with him or, or any like image he might have created of you being like, you know, a typical masculine child. Mm -hmm. uh, like your the the reality of who you are is is what meant most to him. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great thing to find out. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, and I'm pretty sure it was hard on him behind closed doors. You know, he has, he's a part of 13 brothers and uh, 13 kids, uh, say six, I think six males, seven females, you know, and none of them have identified as LGBTQ. So he doesn't have anybody close to him that identifies with that. I don't know if any of his friends identify in the community as well. So he was in back then he's kind of dealing with it like for the first time in the African American community, it's so much religion based hate for gay people. You know, it's I I wonder what dad did you go through anything? Did you go through people telling you, oh, you, you can't do that. You can't support him. And I want to know. Let me know that I would love to have that conversation with yeah. you. Yeah, I, mean, I know my dad is still uh, active and involved in the Catholic Church, um, but in a way where he likes to cause good trouble, I guess, to borrow a John Lewis phrase for, mm -hmm. for that particular scenario. Like, I mean, even just last week, uh, when I was home uh, for my mom's birthday last week, he was telling me about a Zoom meeting that he had with his local parish council uh, that was kind of centered on the idea of why are so many kids leaving the Catholic Church? Uh, and the answer should be, duh have you looked around <laughs> but you can't say that to right. you know like super duper catholics and so my dad like uses me as an example of mm -hmm. he, he says you know flat out i have a gay son yeah. and that while you think you might be welcoming to the lgbtq community the point of view that you preach in your church is that 
while we're open to having gay parishioners, we're not open to have to them acting on gay impulses or having gay sex. And that kind of defeats essentially a big part of our identity as gay people. So of course, mm-hmm. any, anybody who is gay is going to be pushed far away from the church. You might, they might think that they're reaching out to us, but my dad was trying to get them to understand that yeah. that's not reaching out. That's, oh. that's telling us that you're only welcome if you repress the key part of who you are. Right. And I, I am delighted that my dad understands, gets that, and is willing to argue for that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And, yeah, and this is a 76-year-old man making this argument. So yeah. I, I think I just, he deserves so much credit for, for being yeah. able to understand that. He does. And so right now, I want to give you a chance to say something to your father, Ken. I had asked you prior to this interview to write a little letter. We we're both going to write a little letter to our dads. We're going to read them out loud. And I want to, you to take this opportunity right now to just share that moment with me and to everybody that's listening right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd be delighted. So yeah, here it is. I wrote this. Uh, I wrote this coming home last night after the Cubs win. So if uh, if it's sound, if it's uplifting, there's there's probably a beat the Cardinals element to it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But yeah. So uh, here here it is. Uh, Dear Dad, you took me to my first Cubs game when I was a year old. Eleven years later, you asked me if I wanted to watch a Marx Brothers movie with you. So by introducing me to both baseball and classic comedy. You're responsible for two of the greatest loves and joys of my life, which is completely understandable because having you for a dad has been 42 years of the greatest love and joy I've ever known. You are the 2016 Cubs of dads every single year. I don't know if you ever thought about having a gay son while I was growing up, and I have no idea how surprised you were when I finally worked up the bravery to tell you who I was. That specific moment is still something of a blur for me, but what I do remember more than anything is you telling me you loved me and that you were proud of me. And that was everything I needed to hear. I have never doubted your love for me for one second and that has helped me make up for lost time as I've grown more more comfortable living authentically and being vocal about my gayness. And someday I hope to introduce you to a boyfriend who will mean everything to me and I know you will make him feel loved and welcome too. And it turns out that even after baseball and comedy, that's the greatest gift you'll ever give me. I love you. Oh. oh gosh there you go oh oh dear <sighs> that was so sweet yeah well yeah, I mean, so. you know as you read that i was just i'm just picturing since she started off as a little child just all the memories of you know you all going through all the baseball games and everything throughout your life until now that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ken. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it has an effect on you. But, uh, yes, it does. That's so I, sweet. Usually, it's... not my job to make people cry. So, <laughs> yeah. Usually, that means I I have failed miserably. But <laughs> no, that that was that was so sweet. And uh, yeah. I... it turns out there's a human being underneath all this comedy. Who knew? I know, right? Gosh. All right, Dad. Here 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 goes my little spiel. Okay. Dear Dad, this year is twenty. The year is twenty twenty one, and I am just now getting a chance to tell you how much I care about you to the whole world. I wanted to do this podcast so that one day, when you're older and tired, you can play this podcast and smile, knowing that you're so loved by your only son. Stubborn but smart, helpful but repetitive, 
The list can go on and on about all of the characteristics. But you, the one characteristic that I love about you is that you care. More importantly, you were there. I wasn't the best basketball, soccer, or baseball player, but you still showed up to my games and even tried to make me a better athlete in our backyard. I was dreadful at sports, as we all know, but I knew you were frustrated and how uninterested I could be sometimes. You never gave up on me. Even after my asthma attack in grade four, you supported my musical career, and while coming out to all my performances, you never, ever gave up on me. You went to South Africa with me. You All my trombone lessons, all my loud drum, drum sessions, you, you still supported me. I just want to let you know that you didn't have to support your gay kid who was different from all your friends' kids, but you did. I will never know the internal conversations you had with your friends about how I was quote unquote different, but you never let it show if you were struggling with my sexuality. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Thanks for always <laughs> being that person along with mom and sister I can call on to help me get through anything. Love your gay son, D. Gale. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. What a great phrase. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Dad, uh, thanks for being the driver in uh, of my life and showing me the way to be a man. Take the gay component out of it just to show me how to be a man, but you let me do it in my own way. And so, Dad, I really appreciate you, and I know you're probably bawling your eyes out right now because he's emotional too. <laughs> Uh-huh. And but um and those of you who are listening out there, take the time out. I hope you this Father's Day was this past Sunday, so I hope you take had some good times with your father. And if you didn't, if you don't have a relationship with your father, I understand everybody's situation is different, mm-hmm. right, Ken? Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, if you have a chance, just reach out to them. If you know your relationship hasn't been the best, but you want it to be the best, make that first mm-hmm. move. I always say we only have one physical life on this earth, so you might as well take advantage of it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I feel, I, I hope that's come across that I, I feel so incredibly fortunate that, you know, my dad is my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, the memories I have of him are going to be with me and are going to be incredibly happy ones for my entire life. Yeah. And I would venture to guess, and it, I certainly get that from the way you describe your father as well. And I would venture to guess that if either of our dads heard that essentially that that's going to be their legacy, that when their kids look back on them, it's always going to be those very happy memories and incredibly fond thoughts, then that's everything they ever wanted about being dads, you know? Yeah. And which, which means, you know, A plus, 10 out of 10, well done. Yeah. Being a parent is very hard from what I hear. I don't have kids, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'm around a partner that has kids. I see how it's hard. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty huge. And then you add on to the component of they may be bi, trans, gay, you know, lesbian. It's like, whoa, wait a minute now. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure this kid gets yeah. fed and doesn't die. Now I have to, mm-hmm. uh, now I have to deal with this or my kid's emo or my kid is that you know it's it's so interesting but shout outs to all the dads out there that are listening that aren't listening in in general all the people that uh, all the athletes uh sports media people everybody out there that have dads or have children themselves our dads congratulations to you all and i want to say just from the bottom of my heart ken happy father's day to everyone out there yeah, happy father's day for me as well and it's been yeah such a pleasure to talk about my dad with you.
with you, D. Gill. And it's been an even greater pleasure too hearing about your love for your dad. So yeah. it's it's getting to share this is is it's it's meaningful. Yeah, uh, same to you. I appreciate this, and I'm glad we can share this with everybody. I like to do these episodes, as you know, Ken, that kind of peels off the layer behind the host every once in a while, and it gets a little personal. If you want to hear more of Ken and myself, like I said, you can go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Ken's is just Three Strikes You're Out podcast comes out every Friday. I'm out sports. My episodes come out every Tuesday on Out Sports. Give us a listen, share. Uh, we appreciate it. Give us your feedback. Talk to us. We won't bite. I don't think, right? Ken, we won't bite. <laughs> you can ask. No, 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 not if you're less your choice of on. And we may have another issue. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> choice of on, wide open. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but everybody, be true. I'm be blushing so much. <laughs> Be true, be you, and be fierce. Take care, everyone. Have a great rest of the week.